The Fantasy Football Edition of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contest. $14 million up for grabs. Get all the details at circasports.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SGPN Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday night. I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Justin Bruni, today. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well, doing well. we got uh, one week of fatherhood in the books. My daughter, Amelia Joe was born 7-7-23, so you may have been missing me last week. You know, Thank you, Emerson, for holding it down. You, you know, absolutely killed it, per usual. So yeah, took the week off, being, been hanging out with my daughter, my wife, just chilling, you know, changing diapers, curing the hiccups, you know, <laughs> rocking my baby to sleep. You know, I got to touch. Yes, fa- new father over here. So it's been an exciting week for him. Yes, I was tackling the top 24 quarterbacks by myself last week. That was why. But congratulations to you, my friend. I'm happy that the daughter and the wife is doing fantastic. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had it was a awesome, bit of, awesome experience. It was good, really fun stuff. I an awesome experience. I'm sure that is an understatement of the century, right there. Indeed. Good, good for you, my friend. I had a little bit of an exciting week myself. Started a, at a new little fancy steakhouse. You know, those, nice. getting those check averages up here. So, doing that tip life right now. We will be diving into the top 24 dynasty running backs this week, though. Diving into the quarterbacks last week. We'll do the running backs this week. This is redraft rankings. You know, we were in dynasty mm-hmm. mode for so long, like we were talking about before the show. Redraft season is right around the corner, though. Yes, people are still doing redraft leagues. That is still the most biggest form of fantasy football, even though it seems like it may be not to us analysts and people who are really into it. You know, we got the work, the work leagues, the friends leagues, those still dominate mm-hmm. fantasy football. So thousand percent. With that. At the top, there was not much reason for debate here. That is Christian McCaffrey. Do you want to go ahead and tell the people why Christian McCaffrey is still the top-ranked fantasy football running back in 2023? He's the safest bet to definitely clear 300-plus touches. Combine that with just his all-around athleticism and talent, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, he's just the ultimate weapon at the running back position. Add in now another full year in the Shanahan offense. He's just going to unleash hell in your fantasy league. So definitely going to be prioritizing him at the top. I don't think it's necessary to get cute here and take, you know, a Bijan or a Taylor or a Brees Hall over him. There might be guys that you might like more kind of like in your gut, but CMC is still the king of this league, at least in the running back position. It's an easy pick for me. 
You have any concern? And okay, so I, you know, Christian McCaffrey seems pretty standard at the number one. What mm-hmm. kind of RB one season do you think we're anticipating? Though, is it going to be a Christian McCaffrey vintage? You know, he's dominating the league. You know, he's well into the twenty. You know, over twenty fantasy points per game. Or is it going to be maybe more like? Is Elijah Mitchell going to get into that workload a little bit? He's going to more etch it out. What do you think? The the only reason I would ever be concerned about Elijah Mitchell, who I'm a very very big fan of. Uh, Elijah Mitchell averaged uh, 100 all-purpose yards per game as a rookie. That's very impressive and definitely a weapon that Shanahan will still utilize. But when they're in competitive situations, you're still going to see a lot of CMC. So my only concern is, is that the Niners, they score a lot of points. You could see some games where, yes, in late in the third, in the fourth quarter, maybe CMC isn't getting as many touches. But you and I have kind of discussed this before the the point per game average may not be like to his fullest ceiling that you may have seen in Carolina because Carolina was never in you know every game right they were always kind of battling back and forth whereas the 49ers you know they're in a position where they can really run up the score on a few teams yeah you may not like those weeks you may not like the fact that he's not getting you 25 but he's still getting you 20 points per game the safest floor for the running back position, period, even with a Shanahan offense that will look to utilize another back. You have to still take into consideration that both of them could be on the field at the same time. You could see CMC lining up at receiver and Elijah Mitchell in the backfield or just more of kind of like a wishbone type of set where they're trying to make the defense guess, you know, which guy is going to get the ball or if they're just going to pass on to somebody else, like a Debo or a Brandon Ayuk or George Kill, et cetera. So great offense, great situation, best running back in the league. Again, just the safest floor. Like even if he takes a little bit of a dip in per game production, he's still going to be at the top of the list. He's the safest running back to be in the top three come the end of the year. And that's what I, you know, you just said what I always say, usually about my top ranked running back every single year, whoever it might be. I'm always just like, who are you, who are you taking over him to finish as a top three running back? That top running back spot might change every single year. You know, you, it's hard to nail that. Somebody might surprise mm-hmm. us. But if we're talking about who's the safest guy to be a top three, top five running back in 2023, it is Christian McCaffrey. I do have, I was a little bit concerned when I was looking at the schedule. 49ers are going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, the schedule, the NFC West is dipping back a little bit. It's not as good Definitely. as it used to be. I see a lot. I see some easy wins on the schedule. So my only concern is that, yes, are the are the 49ers with their great defense as well going to coast to some easy wins here? And then they may be like um, set Christian McCaffrey down, save him for the end of the season. That's really my only concern. I don't think it's going to prevent him. I, I think he's still a very safe RB1, but – yeah, I don't. Maybe that caps the ceiling a little bit, Jamie, my friend. I knew when I saw some people popping in the live, I knew that had to be you, Jamie. Gotta so, be Jamie. Thank you for joining us as always. I appreciate you, my friend. Up next here, I have Austin Eckler. We 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 had some different, we, we but we neither of us had Austin Eckler actually number two, but just how it worked out in our average rankings. Austin who was your Eckler number? Came. Who was your number two? My number two was Derrick Henry. Okay, okay, big. You know, going after it going after yeah, it. damn i know it's not popular i know he's more fading to five or six according to a lot of people but i you know i'll talk more about it when we get to him but yeah mm-hmm. i if we're talking redraft leagues and dynasty i of course i you know i'm fading quite a bit but yeah, yeah, in redraft cool. leagues if we're just signing up for one season give me a bet yeah give me derrick henry the guy who had one of his best seasons ever last year mm-hmm. of course he's 29 years old we all know that but in redraft leagues i'm willing to risk it for the biscuit but Austin Eckler okay. comes up here at number two. I actually had him all the way at five. 
I'm anticipating, I just have a little bit of a volume concern issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I we're switching to a Kellen Moore offense. It's never Austin Eckler's never got a ton of rush attempts. Touchdown production's been driving that the last couple of years. He's been getting in the end zone quite a bit. It's just, I feel like if that usage just tweaks a bit, if Kellen Moore is going to air it out a little bit more, you know, the touches for Austin Eckler, you know, I still have him as my RB5. I still think he's going to have a fantastic season. I just don't think we're going to see quite that target share that he got last year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have him at number three. Uh, I feel that, I, I mean, I can agree with you. I, I don't think he's a safe a, a safe lock to get over 300 touches in this offense. They have more downfield threats now, adding in Quinton Johnston. If Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are healthy, obviously that's going to help him out a lot as well. And don't forget about Joshua Palmer. Everybody seems to you know to sleep on him right now. I think he'll get a little bit more love as we get closer to you know to week one, and you're drafting around maybe Labor Day. But Austin Eckler in this offense, I think, can still you know pr- provide you very high returns with a offense that's going to take a step forward in the passing game. I believe that the downfield attacks will kind of feed into Eckler's upside a little bit because once defense is recognized, like oh snap, like this is a different Chargers offense from you know, last year and the season prior, you know, we have to, you know, maybe not load the box as much. Right. And I think that Austin Eckler's role, just being a primary pass catcher out of the backfield, I still think is going to be overutilized more so than a lot of running backs within the top five, like even Barkley, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor. I just think that that PPR safe floor for him is still going to be very, um, prominent in his value so i have him at number three um i i still i i mean we're we're going off a of ppr scoring here right yeah yeah see that would be tough for me to get henry up there because even with him taking uh you know a handful more catches i i definitely recognize career his, high yeah, yeah yeah no i definitely recognize that his his ppr value has risen over the last two seasons but big news today obviously they just signed deandre hopkins the offense feels like it's a little bit more loaded a little bit more balanced Right with Traylon Burks, Hopkins, Chig, and oh, of course Derrick Henry, where the the offense is predominantly going to be run, uh, run through. Um, but when I look at Eckler, I just again see a bit of a safer floor for someone that can easily clear, you know, five or six catches per game. So because it is a pass first offense, and that is Eckler's you know main skill set. That's not to say that he can't finish in the red zone. The biggest thing is just that that safe floor with the amount of catches that'll have per game, and then there's really no lack, or I'm sorry, there is a lack of threat right for touches like. Who's going to who's going to take the ball out of his hands in this offense behind him? Yeah, there is no really direct threat to the running back room. I do agree there. Before we get into our third player, I just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Circus Sports. Circus Millions and Circus Survivor is back. 14 million in guaranteed prizes is up for grab. Circus Millions has 5 NFL picks against the spread each week. Just pick a different money line winner every time. And you, you will win some big cash potentially. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there the last weekend of August. So come join us out there. Circusports.com for all the details. Circusports.com. Justin, what are you doing with that money, my friend, if you're winning? Retiring. I'm going to work at a grocery store. I'm going to work at Home Depot. As a greeter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might sharpen skates, you know. Just, to, might, get, just might... to get out of the house. Yeah, just might yeah. might pick up the Gordon Bombay paycheck, you know, quit being a lawyer, you know, just go coach some kids hockey, sharpen skates, you know, take my team That's to the awesome. Goodwill games, you know, stuff like that. You will find me on a beach somewhere. That is what's going to be happening to me. I'll be That's... streaming live from the beach and I'll be just be doing this. That's the only I do not have a desire to have have, you know, this is fun. 
other than that, I do not have a desire to have a job. I don't even need anything for fun. I can sit down with a margarita on my in my hand all day and be that. completely content. <laughs> that's uh, that's typically what I'm doing this part of the year uh, every summer. But you know, having having a kid will uh, you know they'll change up the plans that'll, a little bit. That'll change it up. Uh, You're going to be changing diapers and going to nice fun. Uh, you know laser tag and stuff like that you can look forward to that in a few years you know, be where you're spending your sundays <laughs> i don't know do kids even do that anymore what's with a, technology what's a better background noise for a podcast is it crickets or is it waves shout out to brad and dave they had crickets on their podcast the other night because uh because uh what was it brad was like you know filming outside or something <laughs> i thought it was hilarious dave was sick and the crickets were louder than dave it was awesome Oh my God. Yeah. That, that would be me if I was filming back in Kansas or Missouri, the bugs out here in Colorado that, you know, that's very thin cause it's so dry, but I, yeah, if I nice. went outside, it would be deafening. You you couldn't even hear us talk cause all the it's bugs going off. Oh God. That's I'm, I'm glad I live out here now. But anyway, our RB three in our consensus rankings, this is me driving him up a little bit here. I have mm. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, we, okay. we have Jonathan Taylor. I'm driving him up a little bit. I think we get back on track this year. Then offensive coordinator from the Philadelphia Eagles, the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. His name is escaping me because I'm always so focused on players. Sation, yes. He created a fantastic scheme for Jalen Hurts last year. He is the new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts. I thought that the Colts were better. The offense, the pieces around them were better than they showed last year. Matt Ryan was a disaster. He's clearly lost it. That caused the offense to be extremely dysfunctional. The offensive line took a step back. I think that they'll get it back together this year. Should be a little healthier. So I think we're going to see Jonathan Taylor bounce back. Now, he doesn't have that kind of PPR. He doesn't have the pass-catching upside that Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey do. But I do think, in the the same sense as Derrick Henry, I do believe mm-hmm. that he is locked in for that volume. He's going to get a lot of work this year, and they're not going to want to put, you know, the ball in Anthony Richardson's hands too much. They're going to want to ease him into it. Jonathan Taylor is going to get a lot of carries, and you know, maybe Anthony Richardson develops a little some dump offs to him. That isn't typically what rookie quarterbacks do. It isn't tied to running backs or anything like that, but mm-hmm. certainly a chance. Where are your thoughts? Because you had him, I believe, as your RB five. I had him at six guys that I have ahead of him are Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. I, I really just think you're picking your own poison there. I'm pretty close with all three of those guys. What I like about Barkley and Chubb, well, with Chubb, I like more volume. Like I, I would bet Chubb is closer to 300 plus touches than Taylor is. And that's only because of Anthony Richardson, like Anthony Richardson, if he's hitting his high value expectation as a top 10 QB, like he's being drafted right now in best ball formats, then it's going to be based on his legs. I don't think it's going to be based on his passing prowess. I do believe that he can take away some upside, especially in the red zone. And that's really my only threat to Jonathan Taylor. So that's why I have him backed up at six. I like Nick Chubb and Barkley to be more of the focal points of their offense, whereas you may see Anthony Richardson steal the limelight more so. Now, if Gardner Minshew is starting the season, if he starts four or five games, I think you've got a, I think you've got something there. I could definitely... I would definitely feel more comfortable taking him at three if that was the case, because then I'm under the belief that, hey, this is Taylor's offense for sure. Like, you know, they're going to use him a lot more than I would have expected with Minshew coming over, by the way, back up to Jalen Hurts last season. So has a relationship with the with the new offensive coordinator. That's a very good thing. Um, I really can't hate him at, at three. I, again, I think you're just picking your own poison here. Any of these guys like two through five, I think are very subjective. Um, I have Bijan at, at number two. So like him, CMC, and Derrick Henry, those are my safest locks for over 300 touches so far. 
this year. I mean, those are the guys that I'm looking to prioritize the most. I do have Henry, you know, penalized a little bit more because this is PPR. So I have some more PPR friendly guys ahead of him. But I think I, I have Derrick Henry at eight, and I think that's still above market. I think the market has him closer to like nine or 10, maybe. So I still feel good about those guys. Looking at Taylor, again, very good situation. Going to be prioritizing that offense. But if Anthony Richardson is starting all 17 games, I do think that steals a smidge of his upside, especially in the scoring territory in the red zone. You know, I just think that, man, like, is the offense now, it could just not be very productive, but I do think this offense could probably throw probably around 400 times. You know what I mean? It's just not going to put, I don't think, a lot Mm -hmm. on his plate this year. Right. I think it's going to, you know, it's kind of going to be the Justin Fields type offense from last year, except he's not even as advanced passer as Justin Fields mm-hmm. is. And we saw how raw that he looked last year. Right. Hopefully that well, a little better. with some the, the, the downside, though, for Fields last year, being very close to the situation as a Bears fan, was he had no time to get his throws downfield. Yeah. He had no time to dig into the pocket whatsoever. He was a complete impromptu quarterback last season. And the big throws that he made, most of them were from him making more time and creating more space behind the line of scrimmage by, you know, breaking a tackle, get buying himself a few extra seconds because there are so many times that you can't get to two Mississippi and he's on his back. You know, the, the Colts have a much better situation with their offensive line recovering from last season, more so than the bears, even with the the moves and the development that they've made on their O line. So I think there is a much better situation for Richardson coming into this type of offense where the OC has a very familiarity with, you know, a rushing quarterback approach, you know, getting the ball to a, a good ball carrier and targeting, you know, your A1 guy, whether it be, you know, a Pittman or Alec Pierce. I do. That's a very good point. Jonathan Taylor, he is a polarizing player. You know, it. I've been gone. I've been going back and forth. I pushed him back all the way to like RB6 at one point, but I think mm-hmm. I'm in this year and I think. I just think the offense is going to improve a little bit. I think he's going to get the, enough rushing attempts. I don't expect him to blow the door open in the past game, but I mm-hmm. think with Anthony Richardson getting acclimated, I really like Jonathan Taylor this year. Before I throw it to you on why you love Bijan Robinson right off the bat this year, because you obviously think he's the perfect fit with the Atlanta Falcons. You have him in number mm-hmm. two, just like you said. I just want to give one more shout out to our friend over at Underdog Fantasy. We are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite MLB and NFL player season props. So many ways to win over on Underdog, and Underdog is available in so many states. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And if you are still listening, we would really appreciate you subscribing, liking to Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. It would really mean a lot to us. We really appreciate it. Always, All right, always. Justin. Smash that like button. All right. Tell, tell me why. I have him at RB7. I, mm-hmm. I just have a little... I just have a little bit, you know, I feel like he might, some running backs, we've seen Jonathan Taylor get eased into it a little bit. They don't quite get off to an extremely hot start. I do think Bijan Robinson could live up to this ADP or this ranking and the second half of the season. But, you know, I think if we're taking an overall ranking here, it's just, you know, the, the, Carol, the Atlanta Falcons offense, I feel like would have to be pretty good too for him to pay off here, you know, touchdowns, yeah. the amount of plays there on the field. 
why do you think he's set up for success in 2020? The, the Falcons scored the 15th most points last season for a it's team that's per, for pretty bad. Like they, they can score, they, they can get into scoring territory. And that's really backed on the mindset of Arthur Smith. A lot of people are down on Arthur Smith. I'm much higher on him than I would say the public. We've seen what he's done before in Tennessee. He's revitalized Ryan Tannehill. He's volumed up Derrick Henry. I expect a similar type of volume for Bijan. He is one of the guys that I am lock, stock, ready to bet 300-plus touches this season, as I just said, with CMC, Bijan, and Derrick Henry. I feel that he will be the focus of this offense. And don't be surprised if you still see Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson in similar packages with Bijan on the field. I think that he's going to be utilized as a running back, as a receiver, where they're very thirsty for talent. Yes, I like Kyle Pitts. Yes, I like Drake London. But with a, a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, you need to build up very safe play, safe and creative play calling, right? And that's what Bijan's going to walk walk himself into is a lot of touches, specifically catches. I see him getting that. Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, CMC type of role. Uh, the media is also talking very similarly, similarly to Jameer Gibbs, but Bijan is much more talented, in my opinion. Someone that is a stronger build, more athletic, can handle red zone touches, can handle a high amount of receiving work. Like, I don't think it would be, I would not be surprised if he had 70 to 80 catches this season because you look at the offense, you look at the quarterback position being underwhelming. Where is the ball going to go? You're not going to see a ton of downfield passing, in my opinion. Yes, I think that Kyle Pitts will have a better season. I think he's in line for a top 10 tight end season. You know, I've, I've seen our boss, Sean Green, say, oh, well, you know, Arthur Smith isn't going to know what to do, you know, with Bijan. He, he can't make, you know, Kyle Pitts a top 10 tight end, except for Kyle Pitts was his rookie season. So he knows what to do with young talent. He's going to get him in there. He's going to get a lot of touches. And look at just the draft stock that he spent on him, right? Like, look how high he went. He's got to get that type of usage to to really, you know, bring home the, you know, the ROI, right? The return on high investment. So I think it's lock, stock, wheels up for Bijan this season. The only threat is an injury, in my opinion. Like, and I'm, that's just not something that I'm going to bet on. So I just see that offense being very, very thirsty for an elite playmaker. And they've got one in Bijan. The only thing I'd push back on is I don't know about that, the high catch mark. If we're now... If you look at 70 to 80 is very high. That's 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 a very high assessment. I'll agree. His his tape, you look at those routes he runs, he runs a very crisp route. He never took on a high receiving workload at Texas. It's college, mm -hmm. you know, offenses aren't set up for that. Not every college offense is set up to do that. Right. So it's not a huge deal. I just don't know if that's in his wheelhouse right away, that that many. So that's why I I'm I push him back behind some of these guys who I think maybe get a little bit more passing work. Although Bijan Robinson, I mean, if that happens, I think, yeah, I think RB2, definitely. I mean, he might push for the RB1 spot. You know, it's oh, that's just... Why, that's are, why I have him at two. <laughs> what are we going to see from... I, I think Desmond Ritter is going to have more to do with Bijan Robinson's success just for the amount of plays he's out on the field. If this off, if Desmond Ritter doesn't improve, you know, and, you know, not... He just wasn't... And he's been talked up, but he was not that good at the end of last season. He he was okay. He was an improvement over Marcus Mariota, but that wasn't saying very much. So well, he was he looked like he was a third round pick, I think. Um, but you so also I, see a lack of investment at quarterback. They they didn't draft a quarterback. Do you know who his backup is right now? Actually, I don't. It's Taylor Heineke. That's his backup. Oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, like I wouldn't. How, know how dissimilar is a third round pick in Desmond Ritter 
to Taylor Heineke, who an undrafted, didn't he go to like the XFL and then make a, a great comeback? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some Taylor Heineke. I would love nothing more than to see Taylor Heineke and the Falcons absolutely smashing this league and then watching Heineke smash bush lights on the plane ride back home. Like I, I love me some Taylor Heineke energy. That's a fact. But when I'm looking at what they invested in Desmond Ritter last season, when they brought in Marcus Mariota to essentially just be a bridge quarterback, like they they brought him in so that they could essentially redshirt Desmond Ritter and see what happens. And if you watch the uh, the quarterback docu series, they let Mariota go as far as they could let him go. You know, they they let him you know they let him rain. They said, hey, we'll see what we can get out of you. But to me, it just looked like a dress rehearsal the entire season for Desmond Ritter. So moving on to him, who's a third round pick, you're always telling me, hey, follow the draft capital, right? That that's 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 your one of your big mos. Taylor Heineke is an undrafted QB, and he looks just more like a fail-safe plan. Like, I don't see this team going out and buying Carson Wentz. You would love the downfield passing game if they went out and signed him, but that's not going to happen. So the fact that they haven't gone and sought out anyone in free agency, they didn't spend any draft capital in this draft, which they could have easily done. I really like the upside for Ritter to be the guy, and he went 2-2 two and two down the stretch last year, and two of those wins were at home. And they scored, I believe, 22, 23-plus points in each of his wins. So I watched some of his tape and kind of how he's developed. His footwork isn't, like, albeit amazing, but he can get the ball to his guys, similar to Taylor Heineke. So I think that they will go as far as Ritter, Ritter will let him. But Ritter, not going to be a big downfield guy. He'll run a little bit, and he's going to mix the ball into to Bijan. He was uh, compared a lot to Marcus Mariota himself coming out. So we'll mm. see if that comes to fruition. Up next, we have three running backs and a three-way tie. So I'll just throw them all at you here. Okay. Swan Barkley, Derek Henry, and Nick Chubb. Kind of three-way tie in our rankings here. I, You know, this is a group, a lot of volume in this group, lots of talent. Mm. You know, do you, you have a favorite. You know, this is a pretty safe group, in my opinion. You know, Barkley yeah. has some health issues. Derrick Henry's getting up there in age. Chubb just seemed to struggle at the end of last season. That was kind of due to, without, uh, due to lack of touchdown production because that offense was a little bit of a mess once Deshaun Watson came back. They were having trouble getting acclimated. So a lot of people think he could have his best season to date, though. What are your thoughts on that group as I throw them up here on the board? So I have them um, Chubb. Or I'm sorry, I, I have it. Barkley, Chubb, and Henry, four, five, and eight. Of the group, I really like I said, Henry is the safest floor for me be, be based on the touches. My concern from him is longevity. You know, do they start to pass the ball a little bit more? Do they start to give him a little bit more of a reprieve? He's 29. This team feels like a win now type of team. They have a good defense. They want to make a run in the playoffs. It's a very tough conference, however. So for me, it's tough to buy that they're going to overuse him, you know, when they don't need to, essentially. So that's why I have him backed up a little bit. And then also like the, the lack of PPR upside. I see Chubb potentially hitting record highs for his receptions this year, similar to Derrick Henry from last year, because Kareem Hunt's gone. There's not a lot of competition. I like Jerome Ford, but what I think when you're looking at him versus Nick Chubb, it's going to be Nick Chubb, you know, every single time. Maybe Ford comes in and spoils, you know, maybe a couple of goal line touchdowns or something like that. But I still think that Nick Chubb has a very high ceiling. Saquon Barkley going to be year two in the Brian Dable offense. Like what that can offer, but I don't see Brian Dable necessarily overloading him with volume. I could see him parked between like 260 and 280 touches, but his touches are of high value. Like he is an explosive running back still, and he's coming off a career season as well. 
So I I hold Barkley in high regards, but it's based off of like his, almost like his per play explosive rate. Like he's like he's just going to go off whenever he does touch the ball. Probably a lot of catches. Probably has the most catches of that group. But yeah, Barkley, Chubb, Henry, all very safe floors for me. Like I said, I have him at four, five, and eight. Agreed with a lot of what you said there. I have Derrick Henry, like I said, all the way up at two. I'm willing to risk it in redraft leagues. He had his he might have had his best season at date, had a career high in targets, had a career high in receptions. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think what what are they going to save him for? He is a 29-year-old running back. I don't think they have any illusions that Derrick Henry is going to be with them when they're going through this little this maybe slight rebuild, whatever you want to call it, if, if that's what they want to call it. I don't think they envision him being on the team probably even two years from now. So I think they're going to be completely willing. You know, they still want to sell some tickets. They still want to make some money this season. I think they're willing to grind Derrick Henry without a lot of passing. You know, they actually did add DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks. Still, it's Ryan Tannehill leading the offense. I don't think it's going to be an extremely productive pass unit. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins takes a few of those targets, but still Derrick Henry, very highly ranked for me. Up next, I have... I had Nick Chubb at number five, right ahead of Saquon Barkley. I, if it was non-PPR, I, I might have even pushed him all the way up to number four, number three. But I do think this offense is going to bounce back. I do. I think Deshaun Watson is going to have a big season, and although it might not be very popular. He was a top five fantasy quarterback three years in a row prior to sitting out with the Houston Texans. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the. You know, he. I would say his arm ability is probably the closest thing to Joe, pure pure arm ability, closest thing to Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. You know, is he going to get back there to what he sees? What we saw in Houston, I think he gets pretty close to it this season. So I ha- I think this offense is going to be very good, and I love a running back and a great offense. I do have Barkley at number six, and I think it's because of volume. I, I push back a little bit on that efficiency mm-hmm. just because I think it has dropped off. He's, his receiving ability – has dropped off in recent years. You know, he had that career high. He had about over 700 yards as a rookie, and it's just continually dropped off since then. Number 35 in true yards per carry, number 31 in juke rate, number 21 in breakaway run rate. Rate. He just he doesn't he hasn't lived up to those. He was good last season. He has not lived up to those crazy expectations that we had for him. I just he's not he's not a particularly efficient runner. I don't think. You know, and, and he, that dates all the way back to his rookie year. Now, whether mm. that was some of the New York Giants issues, you know, is that an offensive line problem? A lot of times, sometimes it was. That is my but, firm belief. I think pre Brian Dable was a bit of a mess. He still, he's not. He wasn't hyper efficient last season. He just isn't super decisive when he's hitting those holes. I don't think he his vision his vision is isn't the best, and he makes some mistakes. So he's just. He's not an elite pure runner, in my opinion. He's certainly not a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb in that regard. We're hoping, mm-hmm. you know, I think for him to to really uh, live up to his potential, he's going to have to get a lot more receiving work, which he has not been getting as much the last couple of years. Although, you know, mm-hmm. that's still relatively speaking as, you know, if I look at it here, he was number five in target share last year for among running backs. So that's great. It just isn't what, you know, it isn't in that Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler area that we mm-hmm. might have anticipated. Up next, we're jumping all the way down to number eight because we had a three-way tie. This is we we have a couple pretty consensus picks here. I had Josh Jacobs as RB eight. You had Josh Jacobs as RB eight. Feels kind of disrespectful though for a guy who just had over two thousand all-purpose yards last year. Why are we Why are we dropping him back a little bit? You think? 
I'd admit seven. Um, I think it's oh, just the, the downgraded quarterback. I think that's really all it is. But I think in the same breath with that, yeah, Derek Carr in, Jimmy G, or I'm sorry, Derek Carr out, Jimmy G in. I still, you have to believe that Jacobs is going to be the focal point of the offense, right? Like where else, what are they going to do to protect Jimmy? What are they going to do to build up the passing game? Start with things on the ground. My only concern is, is that he feels like someone who might hold out because I don't think that him and the Raiders have the best relationship. He had a, a DUI situation at the beginning of, I believe, last year. Um, I think that may have hurt p- potentially, you know, their relationship a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, Henry Ruggs that same season wound up going to prison for, you know, killing somebody. You know, they, they don't drive so well, those Raiders. You know, they need to slow down in Las Vegas. But I feel like the, the relationship is a bit fractured and the, the contract negotiations will come down to the wire. Uh, I believe he is tagged right now. He's under the franchise tag. So that's really my only concern is kind of the off-field stuff. If he's there week one, ready to roll, I'm, I'm wheels up. I would maybe even move him up to six. I just don't see how they're going to not feed him, you know, feed him incessantly. Over 300-plus touches, I don't know because obviously they still have weapons there. We haven't seen any action in Hunter Renfro leaving. They obviously still have Devonta Adams. There's some vacated targets from Darren Waller. So it still feels like you know they're going to pass. I mean, obviously, Jimmy is very familiar with McDaniels. They have a good relationship. So I still think that you know McDaniels is kind of putting himself out there. He's kind of putting himself at risk by taking on Jimmy. He wants to be right. You know, at the end, at the end of this, you know, narrative or end of the year, he's going to want to he want, wants people to look back and be like, oh, I did the right thing. Right. Like by going out and giving you know Jimmy Garoppolo this uh, kind of like bridge contract, whatever, you know, kind of like, a, oh, we'll we'll wait a year to see what happens with the quarterback market type of type of thing. So I do think he'll still want to pass a lot. But even when you see Jimmy passing with volume, it's going to be to the running back like they're not going to be um, overly aggressive. I think you'll see a lot of possession-esque type of throws from Garoppolo and you know playbook calling from this offense. Jacob should be a huge part of what they look to do. Yeah, I just don't – yeah, with uh, McDaniel back in the fold, I think they'll be willing to give Josh Jacobs the rock again on a franchise tag. You know, these running backs on this deal, they're, you know, they're not saving him for the future. They're not, they're not going right. to be – saving Josh Jacobs for later on in the season or concerned about his health, they're going to drive him into the ground probably. And I don't think they're going to want to put too much on Jimmy's plate just to try to, yeah, just like you said, they, they want to look smart. So I think you're going to set Jimmy up for success, just like he kind of how it surround him, surround him just like he was in San Francisco, not put too much on him. So Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, I think certainly going to get a lot of volume this year. I don't anticipate 2000 all purpose yards again, but I do think he'll be very effective. I do have much more RB eight here. We did tie up. We, we definitely did get this one. You had him as RB9. I definitely know that. Tony mm-hmm. Pollard. Yep. I yeah. I almost want to rank him higher. You know, I just if, – if this is how it's going to be, I just I just keep thinking Dallas is going to sign somebody, I guess, is what I, I yeah. keep thinking. Agreed. It's just because, I mean, what – it's Tony Pollard going to get this monster workload or is Dallas going to completely change the offense, become a pass, you know, this crazy pass-heavy attack? Mm-hmm. It's just that you don't see Tony Pollard handling consistently over 20 touches – and with CD Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, that doesn't scream crazy pass offense either. So I'm a little bit, you know, I don't know what to expect from the Dallas Cowboys yet. I do think this is a potential landing spot for Ezekiel Elliott, you know, signed late on in the summer, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, somebody I feel like that is going to end up in this running back room. What do you think? We're like 53, 52 days away till kickoff. They got to sign somebody (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Like if it's not going to be Zeke, you got to get one of these guys, the playbook, man, like get them learning. 
because yeah, they are very hungry for that RB two spot. Pollard finished as uh, a bit wide receiver. I'm sorry, wide receiver running back eight last season. We have him at nine. So I, d- I don't think that that's crazy. I think just based on the usage and the lack of presence of a threat behind him, I think that we're just, you know, kind of playing the chalk here. Like, I don't think it's like some crazy take to say that he's a top 10 or should be with a top 10 ADP right now, you know, going into fantasy season. So I, I really don't have much to, to share on him other than the fact that if he's there, he's going to get a lot of touches. They're going to feed him the ball a lot. But my, my concern is, and why I haven't drafted like a ton of him, like a ton of volume of him and say like my best ball drafts is he's also returning from injury. You know, I, I don't really know what to expect with him coming back. You know, uh, I believe he had a, an ACL issue, right? Uh, no, he's fr- fractured his uh, fibula, I believe. He had a bone, broke his leg. Fractured your fibula. Okay. No, no, maybe not fibula. He fr- fractured his leg. He had a broken leg, essentially. So it wasn't, well, you know, it wasn't like an ACL tear or anything like that. Right. So I don't know if it's going to, you know, I don't know if it's going to hamper right. him too much in the season. But, you know, he's not like a big bouldering back either. You know, no. he's like, un- he's under 215, uh, six foot. I, I like what he can provide, but when he was spelling Zeke, I, it felt like he was a huge opportunity, and now we are absolutely buying him at his ceiling. I think we're ranking him appropriately, but I, I, I still feel in my heart that the cost is a little high. Yeah, you know, and that that would be, you know, you brought up a concern, you know, these guys who have never handled a huge workload in the past, what, how, do, how do they handle it? He had some productive games, but Ezekiel Elliott was still right there. You know, I, right. people say like Ezekiel Elliott, you know, died last season. He was still like an extremely highly ranked fantasy running back by the end of the season. Yeah. So I still think Tony Pollard, I just don't know if he's, he's just not going to command that crazy um, amount of the work like Ezekiel Elliott did. And that's mm. just why I have him a bit further down. But they have Malik, was it Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, and yeah, Rojo. Yeah. Like, none of those guys are, like, massive threats. Like, sure, you, they could come on the field, make a play or two, but it, who? there's no, like, guy that's going to be back there. Like, my my opinion is that they're going to pass the ball a lot. They're going to move. They're going to push the ball down the field a lot. They have a tough tougher schedule. They might be in a lot more closer games than people think. They have done a good job actually reloading up their defense this offseason. I think they have kind of an underrated defense. I know it was predominantly, you know, ranked high last year because of takeaways, but I think that they do have a very good uh, run stopping group and their their secondary is loaded up as well. So I think that they're going to be a competitive team and they're going to have to pass a lot. And that's really where I see the most value in Pollard is him taking a step forward in the passing game. And who knows? Maybe it's a uh, maybe it's um, you know Malik Davis taking a bunch of carries in the red zone. Who who knows? I feel like one of those backup running backs could be a huge wild card if they don't sign somebody. Um, to your point, you know they're probably just letting Zeke play the market, not get the money that he wants. Come on back, come on back, buddy. You know, let's retire a cowboy. Up next, Najee Harris, and I like I like the pick. I think you had him at number eleven, if I remember correctly. Ten. 10, 10 as well. Perfect. So Najee Harris, I think, I think we see more of a return in the middle of where he was between receptions as a rookie, between what he was last year. It could be a little bounce back. I think the offense is going to be better around him. People also forget that he was, he was struggling. Uh, he had a, uh, a Liz Frank sprain in the preseason last mm-hmm. year. That really hampered him for a few weeks. That's when we were hearing that Jalen Warren, is he taking over type approach? And then by the time Najee Harris got uh, healthy in the latter half of the season, that was kind of uh, closed shut. He finished mm-hmm. as a top 15 running back in four out of the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. 
regain some of that. And yeah, like I said, I think Najee Harris gets too much hate. I think, you know, the offensive situation has been far from perfect in Pittsburgh and he's still been productive. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts this year? I, I, yeah, I think this offense is going to take a step forward under Kenny Pickett. Although, and still though, they're not going to put, put too much on his plate. So I think Najee Harris has one of the safest volumes and volume shares in the league. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he'll get over 300 touches or have a, like a high volume yeah, exposure, not. but he's going to be their guy. That's how you're going to continue to build up Kenny Pickett, protect the passing game, start things on the ground, and then you build from the play action from there. You know, you still have to love what they have in the passing game to kind of alleviate some of the pressure. It's still tough to load the box with Deontay Johnson, the type of target share that he demands, the progressions of Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens. So I think the group... Uh, in general, is just talents are rising. Like everybody's getting better, specifically the offensive line that was retooled in Ben Roethlisberger's last season. It was incredibly weak. It got a little bit better down the stretch of last season. And that battle in the trenches, I really feel, will continue to pull vault Najee Harris forward. Last season, he finished as running back 14. The season prior as a rookie, he finished as running back three. So meeting here in the middle at like running back 10, I feel is an appropriate uh, ranking. But I do see him having potentially top five potential if Kenny Pickett can really take a big step forward. Uh, His numbers are very low. The market is very low on him right now, whether it's total passing touchdowns, total passing yards. So I think that this offense could take folks by surprise. You, me, Andrew, Rob, anyone else on this network, we've just been talking about all the disrespected Deontay Johnson being parked with his ADP, I think, down like in wide receiver, I don't know, late 20s, something like that, right? He's starting to move up a little bit. I think as, again, we get closer to week one, the public is going to be a little bit more on this team. I feel like they were kind of like an underrated offseason team right now. And Najee Harris was their identity down the stretch. Once you mentioned it, when you know when Jalen Warren, when all the news is starting to come out, like, oh, it could, it could be the big week where Jalen Warren takes over. No, Najee said, shut that noise down. Shut it down. He got rid of it, had a very strong finish to the season. I'm looking at his one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, his eight last games. He had three, four, five, six rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. So seven touchdowns in his last eight games. If you look at the front end of his uh, of his season, I think the week one, he had like 10 carries for 23 yards, right? The, we essentially like your week four preseason game. Like they did not let him off the leash early. They were trying to, I feel like, balance it out between him and Kenny Pickett. Once they realized, hey, Najee can do this. Najee can be our guy. They gave him they gave him the reins again. I feel like that's going to be how we're going to start the season. Like I said, he was he wasn't healthy at the beginning of last year. He was right. you know that he had a he had a metal uh, plate in his foot, so wow. you know that that's gonna that's gonna hamper you. So I think yeah, once Najee Harris got healthy, I think he got his workload back, and I think mm-hmm. you know even safer than you know Tony Pollard for example, even safer than okay maybe not than the rest of the guys on this, but that's why he's ranked so high is because he's going to have I think very safe volume this year, and. You know, it's boring, but the number one correlation between fantasy points and running back production is opportunity and the amount of volume that you get. All right. Up next, we have Ramondre Stevenson. I This one, I don't know what to do with. You know, this is me. You know, the talent profile, the fourth round draft capital. It has me always fading away a little bit. I was a little bit nervous what I saw last year. The last couple of games last year, Damien Harris taking some work. Ramondre Stevenson wasn't very healthy, though. Mm-hmm. You know, what do, what do you think? Are we finally going to see the Patriots let somebody take the reins here? Or, is, you know, or is he going to have more of a set role like he like previous Patriots running backs? I don't think it's Pierre strong season. I do always have that inkling in the back of my head like, hmm, will Bill Belichick allow me to have success in fantasy? 
this might just be the year. This might just be the year he just lets his guy go after it. Stevenson has been uh, a fan favorite, especially uh, like in weekly DFS and best ball type of drafting. You know, he he was uh, getting flashy last year. I'll trust it. I'm, I'm really just trusting it based off of what I see from Stevenson and not anything from the play calling, the bad quarterback play. They're just not an offense that I trust. And to me, he is the most talented player in the offense. You really can't convince me otherwise. So that's why I still have him so high. Did you have him at number 11 as uh, number 11 as well? I had him at number 13. Okay. So I have him in running back one territory. It's obviously on the back end of it. I could see him finishing higher than this, but I guess it's just those doubts about the Belichick led offense and, you know, how they were kind of going back and forth with coordinators. They were going back and forth with quarterbacks last season. Is Mac Jones really their guy? Is Bailey Zappi going to come in and take over at some point this season? I can't answer those questions. I really don't know. This offense is consistently an enigma to me when I'm trying to, you know, project what they can provide, project what they can do for me in fantasy. I'll ride with him because I believe in him. I don't believe in the offense, though. That, that's what's most concerning to me. So, again, a situation where I feel my ranking is appropriate, but, again, I still feel I'm exposing myself to some risk, and I like some of the other names around him, like Najee, uh, like a Brees Hall, like an Aaron Jones still. So, like the player, don't love the situation. You know, Ramondre Stevenson has nice hands. Like, he, he catches mm-hmm. the ball. Not particularly great once I think he does catch the ball. And I think maybe that's why the Patriots were looking at Jameer Gibbs in the draft. And that why mm-hmm. is why maybe they were rumored to get him. I my worry is that, you know, I know he had that pass catching role with Damian Harris last year, but what if he they kind of he he's a big guy? What if they kind of move him into that more grinder role and we see Pierre Strong or one of those guys kind of take that pass catching role? And that's kind of my my concern. And the offense isn't that great anyway. So if you have some volume concerns. And the offense isn't that good. That's why he's right outside of RB1 territory for me. But I think that's fairly online with consensus. And I think that's where he about where he goes in underdog drafts too. Maybe a couple spots higher. But right. Ramondre Stevenson, RB1 for us. Up next, and I'm I'm glad we're, we're I'm glad we're in lockstep here because the hate has gone too far. Kenneth Walker, number 12. I think you, where did you have him a couple spots? I I still have him at 15. I I think there's, I mean, obviously it's an RB2 territory. I still have some guys ahead of him that just don't have, like I consider Charbonnet some competition, but I don't consider it like stiff competition. Does that make sense? Like, like, yeah, Charbonnet is going to get touches. He's going to be involved in the offense, but I don't think it's at a rate that hurts Kenneth Walker's ability to bring home profits in fantasy football. Yes, the ceiling has to be a little bit lower. You know, I I, I think that we would be uh, regretful to not to not say that, to not say like, oh, the high expectation value of Kenneth Walker um, isn't knocked down a bit with his presence. But at the same time, he's someone that I'm still in love with. He is a violent runner, plays with a lot of physicality, can finish in the scoring ter- territory in the red zone. I think there's a lot to like, and I just like this offense a lot. It's just because they have so many weapons. They added JSN. They added Charbonnet. I penalize him a little bit. I think I do have him behind market. I, you are actually ahead of market. The people are going crazy, I think. They're downgrading. You know, he goes in the fifth, sixth round of redraft drafts or best ball drafts. At least that's what mm-hmm. we do. I mean, it's it's getting a little over the top. I don't get it. Kenneth Walker, one of the 
an elite athlete, one of the most explosive runners in the NFL. When I was watching him in 2021, I thought he was the best uh, pure rusher in college football. I see a major difference when I just look mm -hmm. at the tape of Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker has that home run ability. I, and I don't, he wasn't asked to catch in college. We saw that route participation increase throughout the last year. Now, maybe Zach, that's why they drafted Zach Charbonnet, but I still, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Kenneth Walker can't catch either. He has hands. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see, I, when I think, I just think Kenneth Walker is a step above Zach Charbonnet. I see this offense is going to be very good, very good, but they're also not going to want to see Geno Smith throw the ball 40 plus times a game. So those running backs are still going to get a lot of work. I like Kenneth Walker a lot this year, and I'm definitely, I believe, ahead of market. Uh, he is at 14, so you are ahead of market. I'm one spot I, behind. I think that's. I think that's going to. So I think you'll see that drop. I think the names ahead of him. The names ahead of him that we haven't mentioned yet are Travis Etienne and Brees Hall. That leads into our next guy, Travis Etienne. Our thirteenth ranked running back. You have you were down on Travis Etienne. You have him at RB seventeen. Well, you know we see. You know, do you think Tank Bigsby is going to be a threat? Because we see the Jaguars' offense. It should be very good this year. They add Calvin Ridley. You know, is that is that why you see Travis Etienne regressing a little bit? I do. I think that his touches in the scoring ter territory in the red zone go down for sure with the presence of Tank Bigsby, who is a more physical runner, bigger body. But I think he can balance that out with more pass catching. The Tank Bigsby pick or selection for me indicates that they want to pass the ball more to ETN. That's what him and Trevor Lawrence were doing in college. That's why they, you know, obviously Urban Meyer played a role into bringing him in. But at the end of the day, like that's what he, that's what those two have done, right? Right. That's what we've seen from them. And I think many were disappointed with his lack of catching opportunities. I think the presence of Tank Bigsby pushes him more to that type of role. That's not to say that Tank Bigsby is going to be your first and second down back. No, I, I do believe ETN leads this group in snaps. But at the same time, I think that they're going to be trying to dial him more up in the passing game and then reserving Tank Bigsby for inside the 15 and ETN more of a, you know, in between the 20s type of running back. That That's what I see. And that's why I, I penalize him a little bit because of the guys that I have ahead of him. If all healthy, I expect to score more touchdowns. What if I told you that I think Tank Bixby has better hands than Travis Etienne does? Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> um, Ouch. Going back to college, I think it was a little bit of a misconception about Travis Etienne's pass-catching ability. It wasn't very sustainable going to the NFL, I don't think. It mm -hmm. was a lot of screen passes, very easy, uh, that Trevor Lawrence was throwing to him. And Travis Etienne is a, such a good athlete that, you know, he can – that's enough in college. You know, he can get it done. I don't – it doesn't translate, I don't think, to the NFL. He is not – a particularly adept route runner or pass catcher. So I, I don't know, you know, it could, it could Tank Bigsby's a big guy, you know, so he certainly could get some early down work and maybe Travis Etienne, maybe he's been working on it this off season. I'm not saying he can't learn it, but he just hasn't shown it yet. Right. So I have him. Let me look here. I had Travis Etienne at my RB 10, but I, that's more because I see oh. him getting a lot of work. You know, I see him getting that first and second down work. And then, you know, maybe a few more pass catches. We hope so. But, I, you know, I like running backs in a good offense. I think he's going to get secure a lot of work still. So I have Travis Etienne still ranked very highly. So I that think that is that is season. that is very high in redraft. Um, I could yeah. I could see the argument a little bit more maybe in Dynasty because he's, he's only in his third year and he's only played. This will only be his second year because uh, obviously his rookie year he was hurt. Um, market has him at about 13. So I guess we're kind of in, on the in-between there, like literally – I'm on the high end. 
you're on the, or I'm on the low end, you're on the high end market has them right in the middle. Yeah. And you know, I used, you heard me. I, I, I don't think, you know, I don't really respect his pass catching prowess in particular. I just, yeah, like I said, running back, great offense. And, you know, he, he was securing one of the highest rushing opportunities through, mm-hmm. especially through the middle of last season, put together some very productive weeks. So I like the Jaguars to have a lot of success this year. So give me the running back on the Jaguars. Up next, we have three running backs in a tie, so I'll throw them at you. Three-way tie for 14 here. We have Brees Hall, Aaron Jones, and Joe Mixon. A little bit different ends of the spectrum here. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, guys who have gotten it done for us before. Mm-hmm. Guys, uh, Joe Mixon. Sorry, who was it? It was Hall, offense. Jones, and Mixon. Is that right? Hall, Jones, and Mixon. Brees Hall. That's exactly the order I have them in. Uh, 12, 13, and 14. I have it Mixon- Jones Hall. And my reason for Hall is, you know, I'm taking this into account for the full season. Mm-hmm. I don't trust running backs the first few weeks coming off an ACL injury. I think it could be right. till, you know, week seven, right. week eight, till we see real Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, that's going to hurt his total ranking. He's not, you know, we saw JK Dobbins get it at the second half last season. I think we see it similar with Brees Hall this year. I think if we're taking week eight to week 17, I think this is a bargain, but I think the first few weeks are going to drag, drag down Brees Hall. I don't think he's certainly not a lock to play week one. I know they have positive practice reports. We hear mm-hmm. this a lot every single offseason that this practice report comes out. Mm-hmm. So I just have my doubts about Brees Hall coming in. Joe yeah, Mixon and Aaron Joe Mixon Aaron Jones, though, I think they're they've been special, they've been going at good values. They're they're creeping up in ADP as we get closer mm-hmm. to the 2023 season. But mm-hmm. Joe Mixon restructured his contract set to be the lead back in one of the best offenses in the NFL. I mean, never been very particularly efficient, but what can you do at this point? I mean, are the Bengals are going cheap at running back. It's hard to see any of the guys back there at the moment. Travion Williams, who's this, whose name's Chase Brown. That was whose name. Chase Brown. I, I, he's a great, he's a great straight line runner. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know about much else other than that for Chase Brown. He's an athlete. I didn't, you know, like I said, I think that got it done in college. I didn't really love the vision or much else about the prospect. So I think that's why he went in the fifth round. So, yeah, Joe Mixon, it was concerning to see him out snapped by Samahe P. Ryan in two of the three playoff games, but he's gone. So where else is this ball going to go? Aaron Jones, you know, are the wheels going to, you know, the wheels could fall off at any point, but where, you know, this is a guy who could lead the Packers and receiving yards too. Hopefully Jordan loves is trusting. I just being honest. No, Aaron no, no. Jones, I'm, I'm happy. You said that I'm, I'm that's, that's a happy laugh. <laughs> that's a, I hate Christian Watson's ADP. So yeah, that's, no. that's a happy laugh. Christian Watson. Yeah. I have my especially concerns as a mid tier wide receiver too. Most certainly. Yeah. So Aaron Jones, I think, you know, it volume is King here. So, is he going to get that pass catching work? Or are they going to try to turn it over to AJ Dillon in this new era? I don't really mm-hmm. think so. Aaron Jones still part of the team, maintained a consistent dominant share over AJ Dillon. So that's where I have it. What about you? So I have it Hall, Jones, Mixon. Like I said, Hall, I have the highest because if he does come back, I think he his uh, high value expectations is greater than both Jones and Mix uh, and Mixon. Excuse me. Um, little funny pun that he had put out on Twitter. Once they signed Aaron Rodgers, he said, man, I'm feeling better already. You know, so, well, yeah, everybody is saying that they're fine. They're going to be good for week one. Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Kyler Murray. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. I should be back at that time. 
If he is, I think he will live up to this ADP, if not better at a positional ranking. So there's a lot to like there from him. Obviously, the offense is going to be a lot better under Aaron Rodgers, and I still think that they're going to try to run the ball a lot. They have a, a pretty decent offensive line. Now, the I, I just don't see any concern for him, also the threats for him. Like Abanaconda, like him, don't think he's a threat for touches. Michael Carter, yeah, been banging that drum, been banging that drum based on his ADP. That And they've even said this, this past week that, yeah, he's going to be our number two guy. So I, I think that's not a bad situation for Hall. Jones at 13 behind Hall. You obviously have a little bit more competition with A.J. Dillon, but another situation where I'm just looking at the best player on the offense. Christian Watson, way too expensive, going to be regressing with Jordan Love at QB based on touchdowns. Maybe he has obviously more catches because he didn't play a full season last year, but the touchdown regression is going to be major from him. Now, when you're looking at Joe Mick, uh, sorry, Joe Mixon, I think Chase Brown actually is a bit of a threat. Uh, that's why I have him just a little bit more parked back. I just don't see Zach Taylor letting Joe Mixon be that 25 touch, uh, 25 touch per game player anymore. I just don't see it. What what they've done with Williams, what they've done with Samaje these past couple of seasons, like even in the Super Bowl, they took Mixon off the field for the last play. Man, that should be your high trust dude. I don't. I, I I still to this day don't understand that. You've got one play to go. I guess they were just banking on making the play, whatever it is. But when I'm looking at these three guys, to me, Hall still has the biggest upside if fully healthy. Jones in a Packers offense it is going to be very middled, if not to the bottom of the league. But again, he's still the best player. A.J. Dillon is big competition, but Jones, I think his high value expectation is he can get 60-plus catches in this offense. I don't believe he's had a total like that before, but my bet is he can do it with a group this underwhelming. Mixon, someone that I've always loved, but I just I just don't love the situation for him. High high passing, high volume passing offense. I think his competition behind him is a little bit better than people think. Okay, Hunter says that his running backs need work. It's and he's in a redraft league. PPR: Saquon, mm -hmm. Pollard, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson. If you have top ten running, two top ten running backs, and that's your problem on the roster, I think you're doing just fine, my man. Yeah. You can find your, you know, your replacement. You can find that bye week RB. You can find that flex option. You know, since you're lacking mm -hmm. a little depth, you can find that on the waiver wire. Once the season right. starts, right before the season, you're going to see some injuries pop up. You're going to see some surprises. So mm -hmm. you're, you're set up for success, especially early on. Just you want to focus on maybe a waiver wire. You focus your uh, waiver wire pickups on some running backs. Right. Get, maybe if you get were, a guy earlier on in the season. If you're underwater right now and you're really looking to make some moves, just kind of based off of our board here, like guys that I'm looking at where the public is down on their competition. You know, you look at Bijan Robinson in Atlanta. I'm sure someone drafted Tyler Algier, but you know what? I'd go I'd go far or wouldn't go far to bet that Cordell Patterson wasn't drafted. I still think he'll be involved in this offense. Uh Jerome Ford pfft, I was able to pick him up off of dynasty waivers. They, they I think they let go. I I don't mean to surprise you, but I think they let go of Court, uh, Patterson. Today? No, I think it was last, like in the last week. Let me look it up. Uh, that would be news to my ears. Well, uh, I'll keep no, going okay. here while you. I'll no, keep going I think here it, maybe it was just a rumor. Maybe it was just a rumor. Yeah. No, I don't see anything official. So maybe yeah, maybe I was yeah. just reading. A, Rumors. So we just talked about Brees Hall a little bit. Michael Carter, probably available, probably going undrafted in your league. Uh, who else here? Stevenson. I, I don't think that it's time to pick up Pierre Strong, but if like you really feel desperate, that's something I would wait on probably till you got results because I don't think anyone's going to run to him. And then Chase Brown, who I just mentioned for the Bengals. I think he has some type of role in this offense. Kind of going back to the guys that you have, 
you know, if you don't, if you aren't in love with Antonio Gibson, you should be. Um, Tony Pollard, get one of his backups. Malik Davis will be available. I, I guarantee. Deuce Vaughn should be available. Rojo probably undrafted as well. Like if if you're not loving your situation, shore it up with some of their uh, their backups or uh, some other friendly names that maybe aren't aren't being discussed in redraft leagues as often right now. Up next, number seventeen, we have Jameer Gibbs, number twelve pick in the draft, which was a surprise to many of us. You know, I just think that he's back this far because you know he is a smaller guy. Is he going mm-hmm. to be able to get that kind of consistent? Rushing volume, obviously, he is a particularly adept pass catcher. Had 44 receptions for 444 yards Ooh. in 2020-22. So, do we see? You know, I I really like David Montgomery this season. I you know I have Jameer Gibbs pretty close to ADP, but I do think David Montgomery is certainly going to get his. So I think that you know this is a pretty reasonable ADP mm-hmm. for a guy who might just be more in a specialized role and maybe more of an eight to ten rushing attempts game per guy. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I would I always go as far to say 10 to 12. But yeah, I, I think we're on the same page there. But I just believe that this offense is thriving for playmakers outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Jamison Williams, obviously, but he's going to miss the first six games. That's when you're really going to see this guy have a ton of value. He In redraft leagues, I, I kind of consider him kind of like a pump and dump after week five because I feel like his stats are going to be a bit inflated through that period. And then once you have him at that very high ceiling – you can toss them off for maybe a couple more pieces if you're struggling or you're looking to build, you know, what I consider a championship roster, right? Those are t- the type of moves that are going to, you know, haul you into the offseason. So I love the opportunity for him, but I think that the opportunities are going to come from pass catching. David Montgomery will most likely be their big red zone threat, but this is another offense that I see going from more of a, like a balanced pass run situation to being more and more pass heavy that's why i'm why i'm willing to bet this beautiful hair against that you know your hair I mean, we'll, we'll call it what it is uh you know who's going to be bald this season i've got jared goff he's you know emerson's got oh, Deshaun watson about that oh, you forgot you for- i did you bet your head oh my uh, goodness emerson i just I, I was I've, I'd forgotten that happened. Yeah, that's crazy. Not Somebody's gonna, gonna have a it's, it's not going to be like, I, oh yeah, remember well, we were supposed to do that. I feel no, so, no, 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 no. I feel so good about it. I think that's why. I just feel like it's such a safe bet that I, I I'm not really concerned. I just know that Deshaun Watson's going to be more productive than Jared Goff this season. But. If you say so. If you say so. <laughs> I see the Lions being more pass dominant with the weapons that they've invested in. Right, oh, Amon Ra, thirty percent target share type of receiver. Jamison Williams, big deep threat, open up the field type of guy. And Jameer Gibbs, who they spent a top twelve pick in. Who's he's? I mean, what, what what's his weight? You missed it. You missed your opportunity last week. You missed the quarterback podcast. You could have sold. You could have sold us on Jared Goff. Five nine two hundred. Oh my gosh. We're, we're on to running backs now. You can't. You can't sell us on Jared Goff this week. Too bad. We. He, we. I gave him to. He was like quarterback. Like I, I want to say he was outside of quarterback one territory last week, and that was that was your fault for missing it. <laughs> Whatever, man. I've been seeing Deshaun Watson go in the back end of round two in dynasty leagues. You punk, taking him at six. He should. He should be going. He should be going, yeah, six, easy, easy. Yeah, that is but insane. he doesn't that go there. He doesn't hey, go there. He, he does not. I've never seen him go that late. He go. I've seen in the in a few dynasty leagues I've done, they are savvy drafters I've been drafting with, but usually he goes at, the, at least in the late first round. Maybe I've middle, seen him go once. Middle in second for me. That's what I'm seeing. So. I think people are, you know, they're letting their hate for good reasons. 
make that decision. And if you don't want Deshaun Watson on your team, more power to you. I, yeah. I won't even argue that. But back to, back to Jameer Gibbs, 5'9", okay. 200 pounds, right? Like he's going to be utilized as a pass catcher. That's where his value is. So again, those first five weeks, I think there's more booming than busting production available. And he's someone that I'm looking to flip early on. And Dynasty Leagues, obviously, it's a different scenario. I'm not going to be trying to do anything like that. But I feel that's where his high value is. And because they invested that draft capital in him, I feel like this team is moving more towards a pass-heavier offense. Like it. We'll try. Well, since we're over an hour already, we'll try to speed through these last seven here. So, up at 18, J.K. Dobbins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, J- Jamie knows. I, I I saw it. We should give a shout out to Jamie. Yeah, Jamie knows that this is a crazy take. Your Jer- crazy Jared Goff takes. Hey, crazy take. <laughs> See who's bald, buddy. Next up, though, is J.K. Dobbins, 19 Rashad White, 20 Damian Pierce. So once again, 18 J.K. Dobbins, 19 mm. Rashad White, 20 Damian Pierce. Your thoughts on those guys? Can you put them on the board just so I can, oh, yeah, I can yeah, have yeah, it a little it. bit more clear? Uh, I think – I'm not sure who, how I have it set up, but I think I like Rashad White the most of that group. White, you said it was Dobbins, White, and who? I think you do have White the highest. That's true. Um, yeah. It's Dobbins, White, and Pierce. Do you think Sean Tucker is a huge threat to him in that offense? No. I don't. No. I, I don't. So, like, who else is going to touch the ball? I just feel like his PPR value is going to be immense in an offense that's led by Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, or even, dare I say, Carson Wentz. The dude's been working out with John Gruden in Tampa. I got to feel like there's some type of scenario where he could land there. If I had to bet where he would land, uh, that that would be the location. But again, I, we just mentioned a little while ago, like we're like almost under 50 days until kickoff. So the more and more we get closer, I feel like, you know, a quarterback signing somewhere, you know, getting that playbook, getting adapt with the offense, they're going to be riding the bench regardless. So I like, I like Rashad white there. I think Damian Pierce is in line for just a tad bit of regression. I like the opportunity of Devin Singletary going there. And because that team is still going to be bad, in my opinion, I just don't believe that they're looking to let Damian Pierce completely off the leash and let him eat like a dog that he is. So I feel like I have some reservations because that offense, while it will take a step forward, the team will not be as good and they're not going to be in as many games as people project. Therefore, I look at Damian Pierce as kind of like that first half running back. Like, yeah, he may have good stats in the game, but I think his per snap uh, availability is going to be lower in the second half of games. I, I do see that being a little bit more of a split than uh, people may uh, may believe between him and Singletary. J.K. Dobbins just needs to be healthy, dude. Like, if he's healthy, he'll be fine. He'll probably play above that ranking, actually, um, if he can put out 17 games. The offense, though, for the Ravens, you know, everyone's saying, like, Todd Monken, they're not going to run as much. They're not going to run as much. I just can't see the Ravens still getting inside the top 15 for total pass attempts. Like, I just can't see it, you know? They've been in the bottom half, bottom five in the league, I believe, under Greg Roman. With Lamar Jackson and Todd Monken, I like the opportunity. I like the weapons that they have there. But at the same time, I just have to believe they're going to run the ball a lot. And I also believe that Gus Edwards is a much bigger threat than the public believes. Like he's a guy that's been there. He's been healthy. He's a, a Harbaugh type of guy and someone that can also finish, you know, in scoring territory. He's a bit more of a bruiser. Uh, I think Dobbins has a reliable role. I think he's 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 in a good spot here. He's kind of middled in the in the entire list, in my opinion. Um not much else to say on him other than that. Like I said, I like Rashad White probably the most of this group. You know, 
obviously Jamie, our friend here, knows how much I like Rashad White. Uh, mm-hmm. I anticipate maybe him getting, uh, you know, I think 70 or 80 targets was within his realm of outcomes. I do have J.K. Dobbins just a little slightly heavier, just a little bit safer. I like the offense a lot more. Mm-hmm. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins does not get receiving work, unfortunately. So that's what kind of caps his upside. Damian Pierce, I, I don't love. You know, the, there is a wasteland of running backs who were effective for an eight-game stretch. Damian Pierce wasn't somebody I was particularly impressed with coming out of Florida. Never really was trusted there. You know, Florida isn't, you know, kind of has that reputation of not using their talent recent in recent years. So maybe mm-hmm. that's not too surprising, but not a particularly adept athlete or anything like that. Not overly efficient last year. So. I, you know, the, if the offense isn't that great either, that's just some of my concerns on Damian Pierce. So I have him as my RB24, so a little bit lower there. Up next here, uh, James Conner. I have him up um, right around here as well, just because mm. volume. You know, I think yep. the Arizona offense is going to be a, maybe a little bit of a disaster, but James Conner should be a very safe threat. You know, I think Colt McCoy or whoever's back there is going to be doing a lot of dump offs to James Conner. Mm-hmm. So I like that pick a lot. Um, I'll throw another one at you here. Miles Sanders. You did not have Miles Sanders in your top 24, and I was I was a little perplexed by that. Why, why don't you have Miles Sanders up there? Uh, Bryce Young, when he does get in, um, again, I think Bryce Young, uh, his biggest value is with his legs, you know, providing um, impromptu type of running behind the offensive line. Other people believe that it's his passing prowess. I, I just don't see it like that. I, I feel that he's going to run the ball. Once he gets on the field, they're saying that Andy Dalton will be the week one starter. I'm not listening to that noise. And I think Chubba Hubbard is more of a threat to him in that offense than people believe. I believe that they want to run the ball a lot. But when you're looking at the team, it's just underwhelming to me. And some of the other guys that I had ahead, um, I think are still going to be in better situations. I do have Dalvin Cook at 24. I just feel that his talent on a on a new team, he'll get that usage, whether it be Miami or any other landing spot, I feel that he is still a top 24 back in the league. It's hard for me to park him outside of that. And I have your uh, your boy Isaiah Pacheco at 23 as well. Um, not necessarily like the Eagles offense in the sense where like, oh, the running backs are going to score because they run the ball. But it's similar in the sense where the team scores a lot and therefore it's a vacuum for scoring opportunities. And Pacheco is at the top of the list. So I like those two definitely still more than Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, decent talent, good situation. I like Pacheco as good talent, very good situation. I like Dalvin Cook just more than those guys, period. Just out of principle, I like him more. James Conner. Sorry, I forgot to mention Conner. Bad situation, ton of opportunity. Hunter, hit hit us up with that. Uh, Hunter's asking us a wide receiver question. Hit us up on Twitter about that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like if you give us our, your full roster, we could tell you maybe what to do with that. Obviously, you know, just giving a, a brief overview, that's not, you know, your wide receivers are more shaky than your running backs were. So, you know, Keenan Allen, I think, is your wide receiver one there. I like Keenan Allen this year, but you got some work to do other than that. But hit us up on Twitter. Give us your team, and we can give you some advice, all right? Up next is another guy, up to the last two here, Alexander Madison, another guy that you didn't oh, have listed. You no. know, I, I have him as a low-end no. RB2, but come on. You know, this is no. – once again, I mean, this is going to be a very, very good offense. It's going to be one of the highest passing volume offenses in the league, but there's going to be some touches for the running back too. I mean, I have him as a low-end RB2, but I I feel like that's – you know, that's not too bullish. I feel like that's a pretty safe – what do you think? I am, I've never been an Alexander, Alexander Madison fan. This is another team I could see adding a running back. I could see them offering a friendly deal to – Zeke to Kareem Hunt to Leonard Fournette. 
because you, you just don't have to spend on this position, right? Like and no one is running first to be first to market to any of those guys. I, I do not like Alexander Madison. He is not someone that I'm going to draft at his ADP. If he's falling down the board, I could I could definitely buy in, but not in my top 24 conversation, not in not in my RB2 conversation. He's only brought you results in very short spurts of time, and it's been as a like a secondary role. Like he's just not someone that I believe in. Period. Out of principle, again, just not not going to cut it for me. And again, this is also a team. Yeah, they may score a lot, but they're making more progressions in the passing offense. This is a team that passes a lot and have loaded up on passing weapons. TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison behind the 101 and Justin Jefferson. They're going to pass the ball a lot. That's that's my prediction for this team and they are probably at the top of the list for someone that adds one of these uh, you know, hungry running backs that just wants to find a home. Zeke, Fournette, Hunt. I think I now I don't I I'm trying to remember a stat I pulled up a few days ago. Uh, or that I, I kind of researched myself. I believe Alexander Madison in the six career games, I think it's only like six or seven career games that he's had over a 50 or 60% snap share. He's had over 90 rushing yards. So, you know, when he gets mm. out there, he ends up being productive. Now it's not incredibly efficient. He gets a lot of touches when he does it, but if that's going to be the case, you know, just it's hard not to like, you know, just like you, you were talking, we were talking about Pacheco, you know, if Pacheco is going to be the lead in Kansas city. Vikings offense is going to be a highly powered offense too. And if Alexander mm-hmm. Madison's the one out there, he's going to be a big beneficiary. We'll finish up with a guy. I did not have in my top 24, but you did. That is cam acres. I just, there's a lot working against him. What the offensive line is going to be bad. So is the Vikings. The Vikings offensive line is atrocious. That's true. But I do think there's going to be some more touchdown opportunities for the Vikings. I don't. That's fair. What That's What fair. are we going to get from Matthew Stafford? Cam more Akers than the was believes. more than I agree with that. Cam Akers though was in the doghouse just last season. I you know I just there's a lot of ways this can't work out for Cam Akers. I think so. That's why he falls just outside my top twenty-four. What are uh, finishing thoughts with our last top? Uh, it's our, a similar situation to James Conner. Not the greatest situation, but better than James Conner's situation. That's for sure. I mean, that that could that's arguably true. Yeah, I mean, he's he's younger. He's a bruising back. Doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, Zach Evans is there. I like Zach Evans and in in theory, but I don't think he's someone that's just going to, you know, take the food off of Acres plate. That's for sure. Um, I just see this team still having to run the ball a lot to protect their quarterback. Um, But don't be surprised if he gets a little bit more uptick in in PPR play. Uh, They haven't really done much to build up this offense. They haven't made any. They haven't made any big moves. So I see a lot of um, Cooper Cup. I see a little bit of a mixture of, you know, some some VJ, some Van Jefferson, and some Puka, Puka Nakua. Can't yeah, you, my concern is that, man, even if he just if, if the Rams are playing from, if he's not going to be out there, if they're going to be a bad offense in general, not maybe not an mm-hmm. average offense in general, they're playing from behind. They get down by a couple touchdowns right away, you know, because mm-hmm. their defense is not as good as not it good. used to be. Cam, you know, yeah. Cam Akers could be playing in a lot of bad game scripts for him. I think, I think that without touchdown production, without a significant amount of plays with them playing mm-hmm. from behind, I think that could end up being bad for Cam Akers, but I did. I mean, I had him right behind here. I think I, he was just a fringe top 24 guy for me, but with yeah, that fantasy pros has him as a running back 20. So I, I, I where did you have him at? I, you know, I didn't, I didn't piece out my guys right after that, but you know, okay. looking back, I think my, my, my rankings, I have them at like 26 or something like that. Yeah. It's really not that far off of market. We both have them behind market. So, yeah. so cam Akers, somebody I'm 
fading just a little bit this season. But with that, we'll wrap it up here, Justin. What what are you uh, what are you and Andrew up to do, to this week on the Heroes and Villains podcast? No, I think we might do a draft, but you know we're going to be talking you know some some redraft. You know, getting over to it. We got a like I said, nearly just a little bit over fifty days. I want to say it's fifty three days until kickoff. So starting to kick over to redraft season. We'll start having some conversations about high risk. You know, safe floors. You know, the good stuff. The good stuff. I like that. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next Sunday doing top 24 wide receivers. So that will be a lot of fun. And we'll finish it up in a couple weeks with tight ends as well. Thank you so much, everybody. And have a wonderful rest of your Sunday evening.